Luke chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 36, I want to speak from the subject, hope is coming. We've been talking about hope is here, and I believe that, and we're going to declare that next week on Easter Sunday, but but I want to speak to a conversation that I believe many of us have in our own minds, and I want to make a prophetic declaration in the midst of this time that hope is coming. Luke chapter 19 It's Jesus' triumphal entry in the city of Jerusalem. It's Palm Sunday today. It's the beginning of Passion Week as Jesus begins his march to the cross. It says, as he, Jesus, went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. What does it say there? Loud. Loud voices. You know I like that. Loud voices for all the miracles They had seen, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, you ever read this before? The stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Jesus wept. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? Pause. Do you know what would bring you peace? Do do you know what really brings you peace? But now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. It's interesting. I've, I've read this story so many times, preached on Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry so many times, but these words stood out to me. You did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And I just begin to think about, can we recognize when God is coming? Can you recognize when hope is coming? Can you recognize when hope shows up because I would propose this to you hope never looks like hope when it knocks at the door I mean we think about hope we 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 think about a variety of different things but usually it's not what hope actually is for the for hope to come there usually has to be a problem for hope to come there has to be some type of happening that is creating stress or anxiety when I declare right now hope is coming the reason that we need hope Even even the fact that we need hope is because of what we're experiencing right now in our nation and around the world. It was Palm Sunday. Jesus has concluded his journey from Jericho now to Jerusalem. He comes uh, to, to begin his march to the cross. Jesus is focused. I want you to know this about Jesus as he began his march. Jesus was not just wandering. Jesus was resolute. He was very focused. He knew what was at hand, and he began to move that way, and the disciples were with him. Now, I want you to know this. Jesus was on a winning streak at this point. If you read the chapters previous to this, Jesus is healing people. Chapter 18, he heals a blind man. He, he encounters Zacchaeus in, in just previous, in chapter 19. He encounters Zacchaeus, and he, and he has an encounter. He goes to Zacchaeus' house. I mean, things are going well. Now, he's coming into Jerusalem. The people are celebrating because they expect Jesus to take over. So now, we see the people waving palm branches, which palm branches 
signify victory or triumph. So they are not anticipating a death. They're anticipating a takeover. So they're celebrating because hope is coming. But hope is going to look, hope is going to look different than what they thought. And so they begin to celebrate. And the Bible says they laid down their cloaks and, 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 and they took off what they had. The cloak represented their identity, even their wealth or their dignity. So there was a laying down and a praising and an exalting as Jesus came in the city because they were not ready for a crucifixion. They were ready for a takeover. And I just wonder at times if we have misdiagnosed hope. We've misdiagnosed hope, thinking maybe that's it and it's not it, or this is it, it's not it, or that's not it, and it is it. My, my wife, Jamie, and I, we have a, we have a running um, problem, if I can be honest with you, and uh, an argument that continues to surface, and it's this. We, we travel quite a bit, uh, at least we used to. Um, same with everyone. And, uh, and, and we tra- used to travel quite a bit, and we'd be in a lot of airports. And, and I always recognize celebrities or professional athletes. And so I'm always telling them, like, hey, hey check it out. Like, there's so-and-so. Like, this, this happened a little while ago. We were uh, on a plane. This is a couple years ago. And uh, I walk on the plane, and sitting right there is B.J. Novak. He's the writer of The Office. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's B.J. Novak. I sit down and see I'm like, B.J. Novak is right in front of us. And uh, she's like, that's not B.J. Novak. I'm like, no, it is. That's, that's, that. So this is our problem. She feels like I see people and recognize them as a certain person that they are not. She's, I'm not going to tell you about the times I've got it wrong. I'm going to tell you about the times I got it right. B.J. Novak, all right. The other day. A couple weeks ago, now maybe a couple months ago, we we're flying, and uh, Deion Sanders just walks right next to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's prime time. Prime time. I'm like, Jamie, that's, that's, that's prime time. She's like, Dustin, not again. I'm like, he has a 21 dangling from his neck. He has a chain that says prime right here. I mean, like, I'm right. I'm right. We were flying into LAX one time, and paparazzi's just everywhere, jumping out, and I'm like, Jamie, like, they know we're, they know we're coming. <laughs> and John Mayer jumps out of the SUV right in front of us. We're like, oh, my God. It's Pastor Bingo excited about <laughs> said John Mayer. John Mayer jumps out. And we're like, there's John Mayer. Oh my. I mean, it's just we identified him. So Now, there has been, there has been some times that, that I um, have thought I've seen someone, and I've been wrong. And uh, if Jamie were on, on, on the screen right now, she'd be telling you about all the times I got it wrong, but she's not. And so I'm going to tell you about all the times I got it right. But I, I think we have a problem in our world of misdiagnosing hope. That we recognize something of hope that's not hope, or, or, or we think something's going to bring peace to us or hope that is not. And I want to help you with your accurate identification of hope. We were traveling for Jamie's uh, birthday, and so we went to Europe. <laughs> Thank God we made it back from Europe. And uh, we, we were there, and, and um, I'm not the only person in the world with the name Dustin Bates. 
I wish I was, but I have a problem with the other Dustin Bates because we always, we, we always battle to see the first one who gets like Instagram handles, social media handles, emails. And so, so I lost my bag in London. And uh, well, I tell you the truth, I, I forgot my iPad. I forgot my iPad, and so I went to the airport, and, and they got a little, little system there where you got to pay to get your lost item back. It's interesting. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, so, so I'm paying. And, and the lady's just smiling at me at the counter. And I'm like, is it because I have to pay you? Or like, what is, what, what's happening? And she goes, I've been listening to you. And I'm like, no way, in London. That is incredible. She's like, I love your new song. I'm like, so the other Dustin Bates is the singer. All right. So... And uh, he's on some TV show, I think, and, and, uh, and, 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 and I, think, I think he's from the UK. And, uh, and she's like, uh, would, would you mind signing this for me? And then I'm like, well, this is, herein lies an opportunity. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so glad you've been listening to the music. That came from a deep, deep place. And she's like tearing up, you know. And she puts a scrap of paper across and I sign it. Dustin, I'm telling the truth, I am. Dustin Bates, sign in. She, thank you so much. Still made me pay for my iPad, but she, she, got, my, she got my autograph. Jamie said, what is going on? I'm like, she thinks I'm, I'm Dustin Bates. She's like, what? I'm like, the other, the other, the other Dustin Bates. I was praying this week, and I felt like so many believers had said, that's hope. And it's not hope. That's peace. It's not peace. Hoping that that is hope. Hoping that that is peace. And it's not. That's what we see in the life of Jesus as he's coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He's coming in as a triumphant king. They're exalting him. They're lifting him up. I'm I'm telling you there is worship that's taking place. They're exalting him. They're lifting him up. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm telling you right now in 2020, God is doing a new thing. I know we see what the world is doing. I know we see what the culture is doing. I know we see what the news is saying. But God is doing a new thing. He says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Another word for this would be, do you not recognize it? Do you not recognize it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. My, my concern right now is that we do not recognize the hope that is coming. We recognize the disaster. We recognize the pandemic. We, rest, we recognize the fear. But we have not recognized the hope. We have not recognized how God is moving. So Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and, 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 and they're worshiping. And we know they're worshiping because there's two things that are really important in worship. Is that they were laying things down and they were lifting praise up. This is the anatomy of worship. Is that we would lay something down and we would lift him up. When you come into the presence of God, you should lay down your agenda. And you should raise up or lift up. In this instance, lift up your voice. I, I really believe this. I believe that worship has a sound to it. I don't believe worship is a song. I believe worship is an attitude of the heart that comes out of your mouth. And it might not be a song. The Bible says make a joyful noise. That's my singing. But it's scriptural. Make a joyful noise. I don't care what it sounds like. Make a joyful Make some noise. 
when something's happening inside of us, it should come out of us. So the people are laying their cloaks down, their dignity, their identity. They're making way for the king. But the problem is, is they only worshiped as long as he was celebrated. Now, this is key because they thought he was coming to take over. But when they begin to realize that he was not going to take over, if you read your Bible and you read the account, it says the disciples fled, people fled, Jesus was alone. His own disciples couldn't even stay awake in the garden as he's about to go to his death. They couldn't stay awake because people left him. People celebrated him when he was coming to take over. But they left him when he was going to get crucified. They, verse 41, it says, as he approached Jerusalem, and he saw the city, he wept over it. I want you to see this picture. Nobody talks about this part. They're coming in. Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus, the triumphal, triumphant king, is coming into the city, and Jesus is crying. The disciples are praising, and Jesus is crying. The crowds are rejoicing. And can you imagine this scene? Just think about it. Jesus is riding in on a donkey, right? Donkey represents peace. If he would have came on a horse, it meant war. But to come on a donkey meant peace. So Jesus is coming in as a symbol of peace. He's riding on a symbol of peace. He is the prince of peace. They're waving banners of peace. He's talking about peace. He's talking about hope. He's on mission. And the people are celebrating. And while they are celebrating, Jesus is weeping. The people were looking back at the miracles he had done. Jesus was looking forward to what was coming. And that's when he begins to lament over Jerusalem and over the people. And he said, oh, you don't know what brings you peace. In fact, this is where the words that we read, it says that they did not recognize him in his coming. They did not recognize him. The people were rejoicing and Jesus was crying. This tells me that Jesus was not affected by the praise of people. He wasn't moved. He was not moved by the compliments of others. And I'll just tell this to, to us, it's just practical, that if you live for the praise of others, you will die by their criticism. Jesus was coming on purpose and for a purpose. And the praise was great, but Jesus was on mission. He was on his way to a cross. Did you know that the cross was actually the hope? Nobody was thinking that the cross was the hope. They thought that the entrance of Jesus into the city was the hope. But Jesus entering the city wasn't the hope. It was the cross. It was the death. This is all throughout our scripture. You know what? I'm worried about believers because we think the pandemic is a surprise. If you read your Bible, the pandemic is not a surprise. This has been prophesied. Jesus didn't say, hey, Man, in the future, this is going to be great, guys. Lean back and enjoy the kingdom of God. This is going to be great. The Bible is full of prophecy that says you're going to, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have heartache. Hey, watch out for wars, rumors of wars, plagues. Watch out for these things. These are signs that the end is coming. And then they show up and we're like, God, why? Do you even know what's happening? He told us it was coming. He told us this actually would be what would happen. But this is the problem. We don't know how to suffer. We expect ease. We pursue comfort. And we reject any type of suffering. 
And when Jesus rode into the city, hope was coming. But they only celebrated him while he was what they wanted him to be. What do you do when God comes in a way that you don't like? What do you, what do, you do when God shows up in a method or in a season that you don't like? Can you recognize hope? Peace is not found when the pandemic leaves. We say this all the time. Peace is not found in the absence of trouble, but in the presence of God. Peace is something you find internally. This is why Jesus was lamenting over Jerusalem. Is their peace they thought was in a warrior. Their peace they thought was in a savior that would come and overthrow the Roman government. But the peace, the, 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 the prince of peace did not come to overthrow the Prince of Peace came to save the world. He came to save the world. Matthew chapter 27, verse 54, Jesus has died. And the soldier, the one of the Roman centurions that's there, and he witnessed the death. He says, when the centurion, in verse 54, when the centurion, those with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified. And they exclaimed, surely he was the son of of God. Listen to this. He didn't recognize it before, but after Jesus died, he recognized, oh, this was the Son of God. Do you know, I think a lot of people are going to wake up in about six months and say, oh, God was moving in the season that I thought he was absent. God was actually very present in the time and, and the season in the pandemic where I thought it was his judgment. We have way too many people labeling what God is doing and how he's moving. And what we really need is believers that will lean in and say a new thing is happening. God, we're going to press in. We're going to perceive. We're going to recognize hope is coming. And it might not look like what I want it to look like. It might not look like what I am used to it looking like. But it doesn't change the fact that it's coming. So I was writing this week, and I thought, well, how do you recognize God in trouble? How do you recognize God in trouble? And that's where I want to spend the rest of our time. How do you recognize God in the midst of our trouble? How do you know that hope is coming? That's very practical, but the first thing that you've got to know is you or you have to do is you have to listen to the right voices. Listen to the right voices. There are so many things out there right now and prophecies and encouragements and judgments. I'm just going to let you know, the only thing we know to be true is the Word of God. I believe in prophets. I believe in the Word of God that comes through people. But what I really need to anchor myself in is what's in the Word of God. And today is no surprise. A pandemic is no surprise. An economy crashing is no surprise because the economy never was my provider. The, 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 the government was never my healer. The government was never my safety. God's always been my refuge. He's always been my shield. What God's doing in America is he's shaking us down to make us, make us realize that the hope is not in the things that we thought. We, we have recognized the wrong thing. Hope looks different than what we thought. We have to listen to the right voices. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 in the New King James Version. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author, the author is a writer. So, so this tells me that Jesus wrote this story, right? This story has been inscribed or has been written by God. He is the author and he's also the finisher of our faith. So he started it, but he's also going to finish it. So he's not surprised. In 2020, God is not surprised. 
oh man, what's happening? What, man, hey, I took a break for a, for, a, for a second. Came back and got a pandemic on your hands. No, God's not surprised. In the midst of it, he's working. In the midst of it, he's moving. It might look different than we think it looks, but he is moving. If he started it, then he will finish it. He's the author. He wrote this story. I know it's a bad chapter, but there's more chapters. There's another chapter after this chapter. We're going to make it. We're going to get through it. We're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Your family's going to be all right. Your finances are going to be all right. Your health is going to be all right. God wrote this story. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He knows about the difficult chapters in the middle. He knows. So we have to, we have to listen to the right voices. If you spend too much time listening to the wrong voices, you will draw the wrong conclusions. If you listen to the wrong voices, you will identify the wrong thing as hope. If you listen to the wrong voices, you will identify the wrong Savior. I think a lot of people, that's where we end up, is we cling to something that we want to save us that can't save us. But because the voices we've listened to have drawn us to that thing, now we think that is the Savior. Whatever your comfort is, whatever that thing is. We have to listen to the right voices, which says that he's all I need. I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author. He wrote it, and the finisher. He's going to finish. I have to listen to the right voices. I have to leave the timing to God. This, this is what's difficult, isn't it? But God knows, and he sees. The Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. So it is imperative for us, if we're going to find God in trouble, not to put God on a timer. Well, if he doesn't, if he doesn't come through by, by, by April 20, now, now May, if he doesn't come through June, if he no, no. We have to just recognize that the timing God has is the timing that it needs to be. Did you know Jesus came to Jerusalem at just the right time? He died at just the right time. In fact, Romans declares that at just the right time time while we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly it was perfect timing have you ever looked back at God's timing and thought oh, it was perfect look at God's timing I, when I look back at, at my life uh, and, and my marriage with Jamie and I think man if I would have met her two years earlier whew, I could have ruined a really good thing I mean just if, 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 you, if you get the wrong, right thing in the wrong timing it makes it the wrong thing. It's good relationship advice. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong, it's the wrong thing. God's timing is perfect. So in order to find God in trouble, I have to trust his timing. And it's interesting to me is that when we look back, we see it and we recognize it. When we look forward, we avoid it. When I look back, I see, oh God, that was perfect. Whoa, you saved me from that. You saved me from this. God, you're so good. And then we look forward and we're like, where are you? God, why is it taking so long? In two years, you're going to look back and be like, look at how amazing your timing is, God. Can I just save us some trouble? Can I save us some stress? God knows what he's doing. So we need to trust him in the timing. I need to leave the timing to God. And then this is what I really believe is a prophetic challenge to each and every one of us is I have to lean into what he's doing. 
Okay, so God, you're doing something. I don't recognize it. I'm going to lean into it. I know you can worship when Jesus is celebrated, but can you worship when he's crucified? Or in other words, I know you can worship when things are going well, but can you worship when things are going bad? I know you can praise him when things are going your way, but can you praise him when things are looking terrible? Can you praise him in the midst of crisis? Can you praise him in the midst of a pandemic? Can you praise him in the midst of uncertainty? Can you praise that, that's, that's where this is. this is. You see people praising him when he is what they want him to be. And leaving him when he's not. What I love about Jesus is people coming to him or leaving him didn't change his mission. He was resolute, eyes focused, fixed. He was going to the cross and nothing was going to stop him. But for many of us, I think there lies a challenge. That if you leave him, when he's not what you think he should be. You're saying that you trust your knowledge and your intellect over his plan. You're trusting that you know better than what he knows. God knows. God knows what he's doing. We've been praying for revival. We've been praying for the church to be shaken. We've been praying for God to do anything to reach America. We've been and then God allows something like this. And we're like, what, are, what are we going to do? God, where are you? I mean, how long has this gone? My goodness. You, you know what you should do to find God in trouble? Begin to lean into what he's doing. You know what the disciples, and I know it's easy in hindsight, you know what the disciples should have done? Instead of running from Jesus, they should have leaned in. Somebody should have stood next to him when he's sitting on the donkey and everyone's shouting and praising and rejoicing and they should have, they should have put his arm, their arm around him and they should have cried with him. They should have asked the question, Jesus, why are you weeping when others are rejoicing? Why? Have you ever thought about instead of letting the news be your prophetic indicator of what's happening in the world, leaning into God and saying, God, where are you in the midst of this? Where are you in the midst of this crazy? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to do? I'm trying to change your perspective of looking at what's coming and saying, that's not hope. That's not God. God's not it. No, hope is coming. This is a prophetic declaration. Hope is coming. Hope is on its way. It does look like what you want it to look like it doesn't feel like what you want it to feel like it feels like uncertainty it feels like fear it feels like crisis and in the midst in the midst of it God, I'm telling you you're going to look back in two years and you're going to say oh pastor you were so right because this is how God works I'm not getting this message from what other people are saying I'm reading this message you know what, another way that you can find God in trouble? Look at history. Look at history. How God's shown up. People testify all the time about the goodness of God, how he came through for them. And all of a sudden, we think now in 2020, it's just going to dry up. The goodness of God is over. It's done with. This is the final blow. We're going down. Church is over. I'm going to tell you this. Every time the church has been persecuted, the church has advanced. 
people are worrying, what are we going to do if we can't ever meet in buildings? What are we going to do if we have to do this like a year? I'll tell you what's going to happen. The kingdom of God is going to go forward. I'll tell you what's going to happen. The men and women of God are going to rise up. Every time the church of Jesus Christ has been persecuted, God has advanced his purpose. Every single time that someone has tried to squelch what God is doing, God raises up the church. God raises up a deliverer. God raises up a movement. Maybe this is exactly what we need for God to begin to move in the midst of crisis and in the midst of trouble to awaken America and to awaken the world. I was praying this week and it's going over and over this message and thinking about hope is coming, hope is coming, hope is coming. And I wanted to echo in your ears and in your mind all week long, hope is coming, hope is coming, hope is coming, hope is coming. And when that is in your mind and in your ears and in your spirit, what, will, what, what it will do, it will cause you to lean in to what God's doing. And you're going to be able to recognize, wait, is that John Mayer? Is that B.J. Novak? Prime time. The only way you know is if you've leaned in. What I see a lot of believers doing, oh, this is the judgment of God. Oh, man, this is, this is, how, we, this is how it ends. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weather the storm. I'm going to hold out. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. I hope, this not, I hope this isn't too intense for your living room. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. I don't know who tried to infiltrate the body of Christ with fear and intimidation like God has lost control. I'm here to remind you week in and week out that God is in control. I will not step back. I will not be quiet. I'm leaning in. I'm pressing in to God. What are you doing? I know hope is coming. Hope is not in the celebration. It's also in the crucifixion. But I know your timing is right. And I know your method is right. And God, even when I don't understand it, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. God, is that you? Isaiah 43, see a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God, is that you? God is... Some of you watching right now, maybe you're far from God. Maybe you've been running from God. I'm going to let you know God's not far from you. Hope isn't something that you have to earn or attain. Hope is coming to you. It's what Palm Sunday represents. It was Jesus' entrance into the city. He came into the city to die. And that death was to buy salvation for each and every one of us. He came on mission, on purpose, and for a purpose. And you might be watching this, you might feel far from God. I want you to know that God's close to you. You don't have to go find hope. You don't got to search for it. It's closer than you think. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures is in Acts chapter 17, verse 27. It said, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. I think sometimes when we're looking for hope, it just feels like God's so far. I think when you watch the news and listen to the wrong voices for too long, you start thinking, God, you're too far. 
when what's happening in the world hits you at home, you start thinking, God, you seem too far. But the promise in the book of Acts is that God did this so that men would seek him and reach out for him. This is one of my life messages, my life verses. The reason that God said reach out to him means something. He would never ask you to reach for him if he wasn't within your reach. He would never ask you to look for him if he wasn't planning on being found. God's not a man that he should lie. Neither is his arm short that he cannot save. God's not saying, hey, look for me, and then we just look. God's not saying reach for me and we can't. If he's saying reach, it's because he's close. And I want to declare over you and your family and your business and your situation and whatever circumstance you're facing that God's closer than you think. In fact, he's within your grasp. You may have misidentified him as a job or as a safety net or as health or as a spouse or as government. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is within your grasp. Sometimes it takes crisis. It takes shaking for us to identify what's really stable. The Bible declares that God is a rock. The rock that is higher than I. It declares that he's a refuge. That he is a fortress, a strong tower that the righteous can run to and are saved. I want you to know today that God is closer than you think. I want to prophetically declare that hope is coming to your home, to your family, and around the world. I want to say it in the midst, at the height of uncertainty. I want to declare God's goodness and God's provision. I was praying uh, this morning. Got up early and I was praying. And um, it's interesting how God sometimes, most of the time, will take you through what you're about to preach. So you're about to preach. You know, I'm going to preach hope is coming. Oh, God will challenge you in what you teach. And I was, I was just praying this morning, and I'm thinking, God. And, and it was so interesting. Like a, it was like a stream of thoughts came in my head of just uncertainty. Well, what if this happens? And what if this and this? And what if that happens? And I had to stop. And I just want you to know, I did exactly what I just told you to do. I stopped listening to that voice because it's the wrong voice. I, I, I started leaning in to what God was doing and what he was saying, recognizing that his timing is perfect. And you know what? I began to see God in the midst of it. I got so fired up from today because I started seeing God in the midst of it. We've said this for years, that where there's great opposition, there is great opportunity. That every setback is an opportunity for a comeback. And I want you to know that you're never too far gone, lost, distant for God to reach you. In fact, God's coming straight to you. Hope is on the way. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.